0: Hey, guys. Happy Election Day. We've got an awesome episode and interview with Gareth Chandler. But before we get to that, I just want to let everybody know that the event with Greg Raymer is going to be streamed this Saturday from 6 to 10 p.m. That'll be at twitch.tv slash air. We'll put up a link to that in the show notes. We'll also tweet it out at the time. So if you uh, look us up on Twitter you know, around 6 p.m. on Saturday... Uh, you will be steered to the right place. Our handle is Just hands Poker. All right. Looking forward to it. Uh, hope Hopefully you guys can join us uh, and enjoy the episode. Thanks. Gareth, do you want to tell our listeners sort of, you know, roughly what role does poker play in your life? Like, do you consider yourself a professional? Uh, it seems that right now, like you're traveling across the world to play tournaments, but uh, I know you have other things going on. Do you want to tell our listeners about yourself just to get... Uh, everyone sort of on the same footing for further questioning
1: the same footing for further questioning um, I like that <laughs> uh, I uh, yeah I've been I played in Germany and Ireland and um, where else in Malta I was just in Malta playing poker um, the idea was to make money uh, so that I can uh, live sustain myself and my work Uh, my work is journalism right now and writing um, so I can sustain that effort longer Um, when I I was a professional at one point and I used to think of uh, my bankroll in terms of time i.e. how much time do I have before I have to uh, ask a friend to buy me a one-way plane ticket back to Toronto and sleep on his couch and eat frozen Jamaican patties out of the freezer um so how much time do I have until that? Um, I still have a lot of time, but uh, the idea in the past few months or past two months was to was to make some money uh, playing again after a long, a long reprieve, maybe uh, about a year where I hardly played, um, working mostly in Turkey. Uh, yeah, writing about uh, the Syrian. Refugee crisis mostly is is the work that I'm funding or the work that I'm most interested in. Uh, so that's not a big money maker, as you can imagine. Um, so yeah, poker's what I did in the first place to get to a position where I take
2: uh,
1: a year off, just you know, traveling and, and writing and uh, and doing you know journalism, um, interviewing people would be the bulk of my uh, investigation or or journalism, you know, uh, getting their first-person testimony towards, like, what happened to them, where they are now, how they got there, how they understand, like, uh, how they've been caught up in these larger forces. And, um, Mm. yeah, I'm trying to... uh, I have a website that has maybe six or seven pieces up right now, and they're... uh, they're focused on like people telling their own stories in their own words. And there is a good amount of diversity in the, the stories. So, um, there's a lot of heartbreak, obviously, you know, that's what's uh, so pressing about the, 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 particular topic. Um, and then I'm trying to, so yeah, making your own website, that's true to your, uh, values as a, as a writer and journalist also not a big money maker, It turns out, um, so now I'm also uh, trying to get published in mainstream uh, media outlets, which is proving difficult for me, uh, mostly because I have neither the skill as a writer or a networker or a journalist, or like I'm just hopelessly unqualified uh, <laughs> to pursue the <laughs> pursue the thing that I've been pursuing uh, out of my own pocket for the better part of like 18 months or 15 months now yeah
2: well for, for what it's worth i'm going to have to object to the unqualified as a, a journalist part um yeah i read the 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 interviews you did uh, in turkey with some syrian refugees and it was a really powerful piece or you know ser- series of interviews and i yeah i i, I hope that you have are able to have some more mainstream success. So that those types of stories, uh, come out to the general public more.
1: Which, uh, which did you read if you in mind or which, if you read a, a number, what struck, like what stuck out to you, if any. Um,
2: so th- there was one, it was one guy in particular of the interviews that I read that stuck out. So the, what I read was, uh, when you were on the Thinking Poker podcast, um, you kind of like sent some interviews to Andrew and didn't want to post them. publicly, oh, But okay. anyone who contacted yeah. him, he sent them to. So I, I read those. Oh uh, wow! Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that uh, material is a bit rougher
1: and like longer than some of the. Yeah.
2: Yeah, um, I mean it's, like I, I I've actually I've personally spent some time in. Like a Palestinian and Syrian refugee camps in in the West Bank and in Jordan, um, so the like the it wasn't like all like a, a shock, but just yeah the like the resourcefulness of I, you know I I think we're talking you know who the guy I'm talking about the the resourcefulness of the guy in the interview and I, I don't want to like give it away because I I think people should contact Gareth and. You know, to read read this for themselves, but just it always strikes me just the incredible things people are able to do when you know fighting for their lives and their and their families and kind of up against a wall with seemingly no, um, you know, very little hope. Yeah,
1: uh, absolutely. Like, um, there's uh, there's. Sometimes, when I'm transcribing, um, so you, I'm, this may be incredibly boring to your audience, so you can cut me off anytime. Um, like, I have a variety of ways that I'll be transcribing an interview. So, uh, some women uh, aren't comfortable with their voice being recorded for like religious re- reasons, they, they feel that that's um, uh, haram or, or like, uh, yeah, not allowed so in in such a case i'll be like scribbling furiously while my translator translates arabic to english and um you know we're doing long form interviews like three hours four hours so you know my hands cramping and we're just like uh, going through page after page um but for some interviews we do audio and, and the person speaks english in which case i can be more engaged and uh the one on the site uh, that's called 13 Years um, or uh, 11 Years, sorry. 11 Years, I don't 13. The guy uh, spent 11 years in like prison in Syria, one of the worst in the world. And he's so positive. And um, he got through it. You know, that resourcefulness that, that you talked about, we see everywhere uh, with these people. Like, he got through it. And he's not... Um, uh, damaged in the way that we might like typically associate with 11 years of like imprisonment and torture. He's uh, an accountant. He makes his own money. He has his own family. He's like self-actualized guy. So I had time, or I had the wherewithal, like because we're doing English to English audio uh, recording, to to just be in that moment in that interview and. Uh, man, I just walked away, like, electrified at this guy's optimism and, and buoyancy. Um, so, yeah, that's really, like... Uh, and then, and then it, like, uh, I, when I was transcribing the audio, I think I probably cried ten times. Like, the first ten drafts, like, just amazing, like, uh, some of the stuff these people do. I was telling someone, this isn't in any of the material, but, like, sometimes... It's quite hard to get into some cities in Syria, and a lot of people in Turkey will have half their family still uh, still in there. And uh, someone will know someone who's going back, um, and they want to, like, get a cell phone to their family inside. And there'll be, like, this string of, uh, like, unbroken telephone, essentially, where someone calls someone says, are you going to be at the airport in Istanbul? Like, I have a friend who needs... Uh, a cell phone can you give it to this person can you give it to that person and all the Syrians like in this chain meet one another along the line like having never known like who the other person is it's just like a friend of a friend who's been vouched for and the cell phone somehow gets to the place where it's supposed to go Um, like stuff like this happens just all the time Um, so there's great stories of uh, solidarity uh, between peoples um, as well as, you know, all the heartbreaking stuff as well. You know, there's this, uh, it's, you know, it's just super heavy at times. Um, but in all that, in that heaviness, uh, you, you have, yeah, great resourcefulness and, and uh, compassion and solidarity.
2: A little bit more on what you were talking about at the beginning. So so for the last 18 months, you've, you know, your, your main work, your main project has been journalism and like re- reporting on, um, not reporting on Syria directly, but reporting on the impact um, that the war in Syria has had on Syrians and, um, you know, on the status of refugees in, in Turkey. It, and you've you funded this by and large through uh, playing a little bit of poker during the time, but playing poker beforehand. Is that is that correct? Yeah, I'm playing poker beforehand. So I had... Um,
1: I had a lot of—I uh, mean, a lot by my standards. I had enough money uh, to uh, basically quit all like money-making activities, um, and uh, yeah, and just and just try and uh, my my initial goal was to like write something that I thought was not total shit. So I've been writing for. 12 years and I still haven't written anything good you know but my <laughs> idea was maybe I might write something good and um, a lot was happening in Turkey at the time uh, that I you know uh, went into this early retirement uh, and I've been to Turkey a few times before so you know I I guess like the cliche is like follow the story um, I went to this city in South Turkey, Gaziantep, where I had maybe two contacts. And, um, and, uh, I did, I had been to Turkey before, so I knew kind of what Turkey was like. Um, and I just started meeting Syrians there. Uh, and, um, yeah, I was just lucky enough to, like, be taken in and to win people's trust and, and to sort of build a network, um, And uh, because a lot of you know a lot of uh, or one of the main problems is is just uh, understanding the conflict and and the issues you know there's such a huge uh, gap of knowledge and ignorance not all of which is like uh, comes about by like malicious ways or, or, or bad ways you know some is just a natural function of the fact that uh english-speaking people live very far away from syria and uh, they don't speak arabic typically so there are large barriers in the first place to 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 knowing uh the country and its people and its issues and its history and um and those natural like barriers are are set uh by you know whatever we want to call the media uh, these days. I really don't like the term mainstream media. I think that's very, like, very uh, poorly, poorly used, and puts me in bad company uh, if I were to use that. But most people's uh, sources and attention spans like don't allow them to uh, get a, like a full, deep understanding of um, of the conflict. So a lot of my project also is just educating myself, like read, like just, yeah, doing, um, I, I want to write long form stuff that people can read and go away with like, uh, you know, knowledge that they think has some footing, you know, or some heft. Um, and I don't want to compromise on that. I don't want to be one of these associated press people who puts up like a two paragraph thing uh that's like oh look what the president of turkey said today you won't believe it like um and i'm just lucky enough to have had a bankroll to have built up a bankroll uh to pursue this stuff without having to compromise um and, uh, yeah, I mean, eventually, like, I'll go broke, and then it'll be, like, laughable that I ever went this way, but <laughs> but uh, I've no dependence and no debt, so, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'm a white male with, uh, yeah, with energy and, and good health, so nothing bad's gonna happen if it all goes badly. Yeah, and I just think it's really uh, like it's some of it is so like uh, rewarding uh, sometimes to just put together the it's like learning anything like poker when you figure out a concept and just sort of clicks Um, some of this stuff like uh, it's hard to to figure out like why you know a question people have been asking me a lot is like why is Russia Supporting the government in, in Syria, and I don't like feel that qualified to answer. Most, it's not my area. Um, it's not my area of expertise to like to answer that question. But um, when you start to put together like some of the knowledge and and on whatever question, there's so many like to answer this this conflict. Like uh, you know, there's 2.7 million Syrian refugees in Turkey alone. Um, so the natural question is like how does this happen Um, a lot of people have drowned in the Mediterranean trying to get to Greece in the past few years that was a big question for me like motivating my uh, inquiry like how do people uh, why are people drowning in the sea Uh, why is it being like quote unquote let happen Um, and so on and so forth like when you actually finally think you can get to an answer like it's so rewarding you know it's like oh i'm i'm actually putting together like i might actually find out something that's true <laughs> you know because uh yeah the, me- the media that we consume is it's really tough to get that feeling of um of like heft of knowledge you know you get like a you get basically a survey of quote unquote like what people are saying and it's not always, again, it's not always like there's some great conspiracy, it's not always like people are being malicious, like, a lot of people who write for these big outlets are, like, young and impressionable, and have a deadline, and have an editor, and, like, are just underqualified to be write, writing about what they're writing, so, you know, you we can't really fault them as individuals for, like, putting out superficial stuff in turn, um, yeah, but I'm just in a very lucky position, or have been, uh, and that might change. Where I don't have to, um, I don't have the pressure of deadlines, and I don't have like an editor that I have to that I have to please. Or you know, I can really take the time to like just take a week off and read like three books about you know such and such an aspect of the conflict, and 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 sort of try and get to something that's that's substantial. So that's probably enough ramble for you guys
2: and your audience, <laughs> I think. Never never enough ramble. Maybe just for me, Gareth, uh, but I, I think some of our listeners might appreciate this and those who, you know, don't probably haven't gotten to this point. They probably cut off a little bit earlier. But I was I was wondering what do you think, you know, some of the biggest misconceptions that Americans have about you know, the war in Syria or the status of syrian refugees are yeah that's a, that's a really great
1: question um and i think the answer is that like none of them want wanted to leave um so there's this narrative that's emerging in europe uh about syrian refugees like or just refugees in general invading like quote-unquote invading they use terms like sea of humanity which like I'm sure it was a great coinage at the time, but it's so, like, oh, God, sea of humanity. Like, um, yeah, you know, comparing these people to invaders or or people who want something, uh, want to take something or, you know, should go back to their own country. Even, like, um, uh, so Bill Maher is considered, I guess, an independent in the American media or, like, liberal-leaning, I don't know. But he, um, you know, he said this maybe six months ago like you know some of these people should go back and and uh fight their own war or like solve their own problems and like it's a it's a big yeah i mean like uh not everything again is not every black is white and not every up and is down in terms of the narrative the media gives but this particular point it is like black is white everyone i have interviewed Always left too late. Always, like a hundred percent of the time, the people <laughs> will say whether they were urban dwelling or rural dwelling. Uh, they always left too late. Their story is always, oh, I, well, it was time to leave when the third floor of the uh, house, like you know, was bombed, or when the wall opened up and like the neighbor's daughter came flying through, or I knew it was time to go when like my car was on fire in the street. I knew it was time to go. When the militia stole my front door off my house, <laughs> the guy who said that last one to me was like laughing about it because he was laughing about how worthless like his front door was, you know. So all these people left too late, um, and there's various reasons for that. Like they're not a particularly like serious a country that had exit visa requirements before. Um, They live in the land of like abraham and and uh, muhammad you know they live where their cultural and religious identity uh originates you know so they're and like uh, many syrians are are rural many syrians are not well enough enough to travel if they're urban dwelling um so for various reasons they're not like a like say a, a Norway would be now, where the citizens are like always, you know, taking vacation in some other country. Um, so for almost all reasons, they always they always left too late, and these people like they want to go back as well. They want to go back to their detriment. I know a lot of men, the most vulnerable uh, group, in many cases, are fighting age males. So men aged, like, 16 to 40 are often the most vulnerable group. And uh, there's a big brouhaha in the UK now about, like, fighting-age males being led into the country from a camp in in France, I think it was. Uh, And the reason is, like, these people can't go back. You know, I know a lot of fighting-age men, so just men 16 to 40, who... uh, are, are just ready to go back as soon as they can. And they're going to be putting themselves at risk, you know, because they dodged the army or they or just the situation's just not going to be safe. You know, so um, it's really important, I think, for people to understand that uh, just because a large number of people are refugees doesn't mean that um, they are coming willingly or that they would not go back if they could. Um, those people trying to get to Canada, for example, like when they get there, it'll be a good deal for them. Like they'll be in a good situation. Um, but just because of a number of factors, it's often their their uh, worst best choice, you know, or however we want to put it. Like they make the decision under duress because. They have half of their family still inside the country. Typically, like, um, the elderly remain inside the country because elderly men aren't uh, at the same peril as fighting-age men, and elderly women, uh, you know, are typically less inclined to go and learn a new language and, you know, move, like, their whole life. So, right, so as a result, like, the younger generation typically has fathers and mothers and uncles and aunts still inside Syria. And that's why they want to go back. That's why they stay very close, like in Turkey and Jordan and in Lebanon. Uh, So the idea of coming all the way to America or all the way to Canada um, really is like a last resort for people sometimes when they have no other options left. Um, Yeah, so, you know, it's just, that's really important to to uh realize and um it's unfortunate that it's uh the story is told in a different way right now i would say
2: Hmm. cool
0: yeah well that's been our i think heaviest interview of the podcast short although nearing on a year-long history zach do you have any other questions
2: um yeah maybe maybe one more gareth if you if you still have some time, um kind of on a little bit of a lighter note, you know the way you've described how you've structured your life over the last eighteen months is really interesting and appealing to me, and that you know you you in the past made money from poker and then that allowed you to pursue something in a way that if you didn't have that financial freedom, you wouldn't have been able to do so. In the way that you would have wanted or had the opportunity at all, and I think that's something that Jack and I can both relate to as musicians, where there has definitely been times over the last several years where I've played more more poker than I've practiced music and performed music. But for most of the time, it's I derive most of my income from poker, uh, even though kind of music is like my main project or work and i was just wondering if you could talk a little bit about like that concept of like you know using using still loving poker but using it as a tool to to do these things and like you said retire early um where you otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity and kind of the the pros and cons of that for any listeners that might want to embark on a, a similar journey
1: um it's tough like most people who ask me to get into poker I say don't it's too hard like there's a big learning curve um at the same time like uh some of these things are self limiting beliefs I think like uh when I first started I didn't think I could do it um but I put myself in a position where like I just had to um and, you know, you find a way. So if you're... I think, yeah, I think that just goes for any sort of uh, freedom of, or pursuit. Like, uh, it's only a barrier in your mind sometimes, uh, whatever you're trying to pursue. If it's outside of the normal uh, safe course of, like, school, job, 9 to 5, or, or wherever the case may be. I mean, it's 2016. I don't think... I don't think anyone really does uh, it's sort of like a, a problem that's been addressed in our culture I don't actually think people do believe in that in that uh, normal course anymore as, as like a thing you must do um, I remember growing up like when in my teenage years like everyone was saying oh you gotta go to university you gotta do you know university this university that um, I dropped out of university um, and uh then in my 20s when I was traveling around the world, like I've been on the road maybe six years now, uh, like all the adults say, oh, you're doing the right thing. Like you guys see the world while you're young, you, <laughs> you know, like. Uh, so everything I was sort of told by the adults when I was in my teens was like uh, false, essentially. But now like adults of the same age are telling me I'm doing the, the right thing, the smart thing. I think it's just yeah. I think you should just go for it. Essentially, if you if uh, something is holding you back, it's it's probably a belief you hold yourself. Um, and a lot of people start over, you know. Like the uh, yeah, assuming you don't have dependents, like or people who are who you're putting at risk. I didn't. I don't. So. Yeah, I think you you should just go for it. I don't know. That's a terrible terribly rambly answer to a good question, but uh yeah.
0: Well, yeah, Gareth, I just want to, you know, both thank you, you know, as a human for your work, uh, but also as a poker player because I think you are doing your part, you know, not that this is like a cause per se, but I think you go a long way towards showing, like, the value of poker as you know, sort of a flexible source of income that you know. I think has a purpose in terms of recreation for some people, and I, I think you're using it, you know, probably better than anybody else that I know of. So, uh, you know, on behalf of humans and maybe more specifically poker players, you know, thanks for uh, what you do
2: yeah thank you gareth and maybe next time you find yourself playing in the states you can tell the people as you're taking their money that this money is going to syrian refugees and see how that <laughs> see how that goes
1: yeah yeah no it was great to be on the show um like i said any friend of uh carlos is a friend of mine um andrew any, any friend of andrew is also a friend of mine uh so yeah uh didn't hesitate to to say yes when you guys asked me I'm happy that you did. So uh, don't know when I'll be in the States, but uh, I will be eventually. So, yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Well, Gareth, we'll put it uh, up in the notes uh, on both podcasts. Is there anything, you know, any of your work, like your website, for example, that you want to share with the listeners?
1: Yeah, yeah, the website is... Uh, story- See, I'm so bad at Like, I should have... <laughs> wedged it in earlier but the the website is uh, storiesfromsyria.com so that's stories uh, from syria.com pretty easy to remember yeah that's super easy Um, and yeah you can get me on twitter uh, as well if you have like questions or whatever feedback if you hated the website Um, uh, it's it's not always people's favorite form because there's no like, uh, there's no pictures, there's no um, like sexy flashing ads of women on the on the sidebar. So <laughs> it might be different from like your typical internet experience, but yeah, I appreciate you working the uh, plugin at the end there.
0: Yeah, I got to give you a. Well, I mean, it's important that people know. So, thank you again for coming on. Uh, I personally look forward to reading some of your stuff. Uh, I listened to that episode of the podcast, but uh, I, I did not take the initiative, like Zach. Uh, not a totally uncommon theme in our collective lives, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Have a good Have a good day, guys. You yeah, too. You too thanks. Cheers. Bye.